This episode of the Adoption Connection podcast is sponsored by the book, The Connected Parent, Real Life Strategies for Building Trust and Attachment, written by the late Dr. Karen Purvis and me. This new book for parents and caregivers combines the rich experience and scientific insights of Dr. Karen Purvis with personal stories from my parenting journey. There is hope for every child, every parent, and every family. Find out more about the book and get a free resource at onethinkfulmom.com slash book. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 88 of the Adoption Connection podcast. Lisa and I are recording in May, but the week that this that you're listening to this episode, I am hoping she is having the time of her life in San Diego, right, Lisa? Recording the audiobook for The Connected Parent. Yes. I'm so excited. You know, originally when I uh, we were talking about the audiobook, I was I asked if I could be the one to actually narrate it. And they said, Oh no, we don't really do that. We hire professionals. And apparently they had a change of heart because I am doing it and I'm just completely thrilled. You were like, I am a professional. I talk for a living. I have a podcast. (laughs) Well, I told them, I said, I think my 23 years of homeschooling and all that reading aloud should come in handy as, as I narrate my book. So, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because what we really want to talk about is the fact that there is a book at all. Yeah, absolutely. So Lisa, take us back and tell us a little bit about how the book came to be. And you can tell us all the things, tell us all the things about the book that we need to know. (laughs) So I want to go all the way back to the beginning, which actually goes back many, many years because my life was first touched by adoption when as a young teenager, I became a birth mother. And that is a very hard and sad story. I was not a very, I was not a willing birth mother. Um, But that's how adoption first touched my life. And I told that whole story in episode 23 of the podcast. So if anybody wants to go back and hear that, you are welcome to hear it. But after Russ and I married in college, we started our family. We had a large family. We had seven kids. So I had eight children altogether. I was reunited with my oldest son when he was a teenager. So he didn't grow up with my other kids, but he's one of my children too. And So I was at a point, I was homeschooling my kids. We had seven at home. My youngest was three. And I just had this strong sense that God had something more for me to do, which now looking back seems kind of funny. Like, oh my goodness, I was working so hard and drowning so many days trying to homeschool everybody and run this really big household. But I just knew that something was coming. I actually thought I was going to go back to school and begin to develop a career because, you know, my youngest was three. I mean, surely someday I was going to have time to have another career, right? You're just cementing Um, in my head, Lisa, you know, we talk a lot about the Enneagram here and the adoption connection that you really probably are three, you know, because you're like already (laughs) looking ahead to the next thing you can accomplish before, you know, while you're already drowning in what you're currently doing. (laughs) I'm very future oriented. (laughs) I'm very future oriented to a fault and it drives Russ a little bit crazy sometimes. But anyhow, yes, I was looking toward the future and thinking I was going to be going back to school. And then one of my good friends called me to tell me that she and her husband had decided to adopt two little boys from Ethiopia. 
And I feel like that was a profound kind of spiritual moment where I think God just began to open my heart to this idea. And if you listen to the earlier episode of my podcast and you hear my story, um, you'll know that this was really very unexpected for me. I never imagined that I would become an adoptive mom, not at this stage of my life. And so we began to look into adoption. And because our friends were adopting from Ethiopia, we thought that sounded like a really good plan. But before we committed to adopting, we sponsored a little girl at an orphanage for kids um, living with HIV. And she, her sweet face was on our refrigerator, and we talked about her, and we prayed for her. and. We went forward with our plans to adopt. We decided to be very rational. We decided to adopt two little boys younger than our youngest child, our youngest daughter. And it seemed like a really good plan. And then our friends traveled to Ethiopia and they went to this orphanage and they met this little girl, Kalkidan. And the nurse at the orphanage told her, we really hope your friends are going to adopt her. And that was another moment in our lives where things took a turn that we didn't expect. We, first of all, had no idea that she, it was possible to adopt a child with HIV. And this was in 2006. So we had to go way back. We did not actually know much about HIV at all. And we had a lot to learn. But through the months following that, we truly felt compelled by God to adopt her. You know, she needed parents. She needed a family. And um, we just knew that God was calling us. And, and so we went forward adopting her. And this, the story is really interesting because we ended up adopting three unrelated children through two different agencies simultaneously. And it was a pretty tricky process, but we traveled to Ethiopia in 2007, the beginning of 2007, and we met all three of our new children. We knew when we went that we would not be bringing Calcadon home on that trip because at that point, the United States required some, a person with HIV had to fill out a, a whole packet of materials, waivers, in order to enter the U.S. to get a visa. So we submitted all of that while we were in Addis, and then we had to leave her and come home with the two little boys until her visa was approved and then Russ went back for her. But the really significant thing is that even when we were in Ethiopia, we began to realize that Calcadon was going to have a lot of challenges being in a family, being with us. She was a beautiful, beautiful girl. Um, Actually just pretty amazing, very bright, very sparkly dimples, energy, the whole thing. In fact, when I think back to her uh, referrals, everything always said she has, she's very energetic. Now, okay, let's translate what energetic means. <laughs> you know, to read we, between the lines. <laughs> yes, yes. I, you know, I think a lot of us would think, well, energetic, she probably was like hyper ADD. Actually, she was hyper vigilant is what she was. She had so many stress chemicals running through her body with so much deep, deep fear in her that she was hypervigilant and she had survival skills that she developed in order to cope in her life in Ethiopia. And they came out looking like a whole lot of energy. (laughs) 
but we knew we knew things were going to be challenging. We'd heard that people ha- often have this honeymoon period when they get home, and so when she and Russ got home, I was expecting that. We did not have that. You know, from the time she came home, we were faced with really challenging behaviors, things we never expected. You know, she had been so, her brain had been so impacted by trauma that she saw the entire world as threatening and everybody, all of her siblings were competition to her. And so she had to be dominant, you know, because that's how she knew. That's how you get the food. That's how you get the clothes. That's how you get kind attention, you know, was making sure you were the fastest, the strongest, the loudest, the cutest, you know, all of that. And some of that came out looking like aggression, which was very scary back then. You know, it was such a shock in our family, you know, to all of a sudden have aggression. So, you know, I think because we were so well prepared, we'd studied, we got, we went to a special training course just for people adopting from Ethiopia we, my background was in mental health. We'd been parents for 20 years. So even though it was challenging, I think we felt very optimistic that, you know, yeah, of course it's going to be hard. This little girl has been through so much. Of course it's going to be hard, but it's all going to be okay because we know what to do and it's just going to take time. Well, even with time passing, actually things continued to get worse. They didn't resolve. They didn't get better. And we were really in desperate need of help. And I can remember pulling, literally pulling books off of my bookcase because I, of course, bought all kinds of adoption books and read them all and just scanning through them, trying to find something that would help. It makes me choke up right now. Just think about it. I'm actually in the room with that bookcase right now and all of those books. And I can remember just kneeling on the floor and, and looking through, trying to find anything that would help me because I was desperate and our whole life had begun to revolve around rages and very out of control behavior and aggression. And it was very overwhelming. So sometime during that time, you know, way, way back before we'd even brought our kids home, I had started a blog, onethankfulmom.com. And I'd started writing there and I had begun to get a little more honest, you know, about what was going on because at first I didn't want to, I didn't want to discourage anybody. And because I knew I was so sure things were just going to get better that I didn't, I figured it wouldn't really benefit anyone for me to write about how hard things were. But when I started to get honest, that's when people really started to come and read. And, you know, that's where we used to interact back in the day. We used to actually interact on our blogs and the comments, right? Yeah, Remember that? Yeah. You know, we didn't have the Facebook groups and the things that we have now. So one of my readers, and I would love to find out who that was someday, she told me about this woman named Dr. Karen Purvis and her book, The Connected Child. I hadn't heard of Dr. Purvis. I hadn't heard of the book, but it was quite new back then. So I got the book and I read it and There were a lot of things in there. There was a lot that I already knew. But what I didn't have before reading it was really concrete um, uh, tools, you know, to use when I was actually interacting and parenting my child. And so that was really, really helpful. It began to sort of open my mind to this new way of looking at the challenges and thinking about the the, um, 
what these behaviors were actually saying, you know, the need behind the behavior and all of that. But what was even better than reading The Connected Child was that the same person gave me some links to some videos of Dr. Purvis speaking. And they were from an old conference. They weren't anything big. They weren't professionally, you know, done. But when I heard her speak, that's when I knew that she had something incredible to offer me because hearing her talk about how she worked with children, that was so powerful, you know? And I remember crying watching her speak and thinking, she has hope for my kids. And if she could believe that my kids could heal, then I would hold on to that hope. Sorry, I'm surprised I'm so checked up. But it was very powerful. And I remember telling Russ, I need you to watch these videos. And so we watched them together and he had the same experience. We were both just crying. So then I went back and I reread The Connected Child again. And then I started writing about it and blogging about it as I was learning, like just one thing at a time. I would talk about the importance of saying yes. I would talk about building trust. I would talk about the ideal response, like all these different things that I was learning. And then through that, I ended up being at a conference where I met Dr. Purvis and Michael and Amy Monroe, who together they started with Dr. Purvis, the Empowered to Connect. And I met them and started talking with them. And it turned out that they had been reading what I was writing, but they didn't know who I was. So the long, the short story of all of that is I began to write for them for Empowered to Connect. I had the incredible opportunity of speaking at the live Empowered to Connect conferences for a time. And that's really where I got to know Dr. Purvis better. As during these months and years, I remember thinking that I loved all the books I had. They were so, so good. But none of them were written by someone who was actually living my life. You know, they were fantastic, but they weren't always realistic. You know, they couldn't, I would think, how would I possibly do that in my family? And so I began to think, wouldn't it be fantastic if there could be a book where I could share my real life stories of connected parenting and building trust and attachment alongside Dr. Purvis, who could explain why I do the things I do and how it works for me and how it works for my kids. And I just thought this would be the book that I wanted to read and that I needed to read. So I got up my courage. And one morning when we were eating breakfast in the hotel, I sat down with Dr. Purvis and I was so nervous to ask her, but I finally told her, I said, so I have this idea for this book. And she was so great. She listened to me and she said, that sounds like a great idea. And I, I remember saying, so do you want to do it? Do you want to write it? And she said, yes. <laughs> and so really it was just an incredible thing. And so we began writing together. And first, I mean, I could go well, on and, and what on year, about- What year was that? Okay, that was, that was end of 2011, 2012. We started writing the book in 2012. Okay. So a long, long time ago. We, but we slowly began working through the chapters. Like I, ha I designed the whole layout of the book in terms of the chapters and what I wanted- and then she approved it. And then we started writing and working and sending work back and forth and back and forth. 
And her assistant, Emily, kept us organized, which was really, really nice. Because Karen, of course, had many things going on, many projects going on. And so we would send work back and forth. And then during that time, of course, she was diagnosed with cancer. For a time, we stopped writing, of course. I mean, her health, you know, really that was her focus and she had other work. So we stopped writing for a while. And I remember thinking, gosh, I wonder if this book is ever really going to happen. And then she started to get better. We started writing some more, but we were really in the thick of it with, um, parenting Calcidon and really struggling quite a bit. Even with the skills we had, it was very, very hard. Again, we just kept plugging along and plugging along. And then in at the end of 2014, we were in a terrible car accident and we lost our daughter Calcidon. And and I was injured. And I remember during that time thinking we're never going to finish this book because I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to write again. I just didn't know if my brain would ever work well enough again, if my heart would ever work well enough again. I mean, grief is so strong that I could hardly read, if that makes sense. It's just my brain couldn't do it. And so I, I wasn't really sure. But then Dr. Purvis and I talked and I enough time passed. I said, you know, I need to finish this book in honor of Calcidon. I need to do it because she's the whole reason why this book was written. I mean, she is the reason that we were pushed to learn a whole new way of parenting. All of our children just, she changed our lives. She changed the whole trajectory of my work and ministry because I was so desperate for help, you know? And so I told Dr. Purvis, I said, I think we should finish it. And she said, okay. So we jumped back in. We were working hard. And then her cancer returned. And, you know, she passed away much more quickly than I think any of us could have imagined. But we were working on the book. And when she knew she was really sick, she worked harder on it. And even during treatment, I remember her calling me from Seattle one time during treatment and she was working on one of the chapters. And so we did get the book to a very good point before she died. And I was really hopeful that we would be able to finish it. But of course, that, that didn't happen. It didn't quite get there. But after she died, I waited a while and then reached out to her family. And I said, you know, would you like me to finish this book? And they, they really wanted me to, they, you know, it was, it's their mother's final written work. It, this is it. And there won't be more written work by Dr. Purvis. And when I knew that they were behind it and that they wanted this book published, then I reached out to Emily, her longtime assistant who had kept us organized through the whole process, you know, and I said, can you help me take Dr. Purvis's notes for the portions that aren't done and can you help me finish this book so she joined in on the project and we were able to finish the book we were able to get a book contract with a wonderful publisher and it honestly feels a bit like a miracle like i'm pretty sure when i get a copy in my hands that i'm just going to start bawling because you know it's a it's a dream come true really yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost a decade of your life. Like, I mean, not, 
you weren't writing that whole time. And so much has happened in that. I remember when we first met and you told me about it. Well, first of all, I was shocked. I was like, what? <laughs> there's, there's another book for, from Dr. Purvis, but, but just um, this like hope that, that it could come to fruition. And, and that was before you had a book contract, you know, mm-hmm. I remember the book proposal and all the things. And so even the last two years of, of getting permission to finish it, finishing it, the book contract and all of that, um, that's felt like a lifetime. So it really has, it really, I have worked on this book for so long that it's, it's really an incredible thing to be getting to this point. I mean, when this episode airs, you all who are listening to it, we're only a month out from the book actually launching from it, being able to be in all of our hands, which is so unbelievable and exciting. And, and you know, it's, it's a wonderful book. It is, people have asked me sometimes, how is it different from The Connected Child? Well, I think the big obvious difference, of course, is that it's written in two voices. It's my voice as a mom and her voice as a scientist and all of her experience. You know, we've got two very different voices. Every single chapter begins with stories from me and then content from Dr. Purvis where she explains the the science and the methods and then ends with another story from me about my family. And I think it's laid out really, really well. course, I designed the layout, but I mean, I don't mean visually laid out. I mean, the whole design of the order of content, like you can find topics that are relevant to you, but it's very topical. It has a stronger emphasis on attachment and more current attachment information from when the connected child was written. We have a chapter on Well, the very first chapter is um, understanding the foundation of attachment. And then the next chapter is understanding yourself. And it's a chapter where we talk about our own experiences as parents and our own histories and understanding our histories and having compassion for ourselves. And then that kind of leads to understanding why certain things might trigger us the way they do and why certain things might be hard for us in our relationships with our children and I think it's really good. I think it is, I'm always a little cautious about talking about parental attachment and things because I think sometimes it can feel shaming to adoptive parents. Like, you know, they feel like we're saying, oh, this is actually about you. And that is not at all what we're saying (laughs) because um, this is, this is an emphasis on just really knowing well, re- ourselves. Relationship is, goes both ways, right? So it's never right. about just one person or another. Mm-hmm. Both of us bring things to the relationship and, and we're all human. So right. what we bring to the relationship is never perfection. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. So, so there's a little more attachment. There's more updated language because, you know, things have developed with TBRI over the years and let me think, what else is there? Teens, you guys oh, cover teens and older kids, which I think is probably a big missing piece. It felt mm-hmm. like it to me when we were parenting our older kids and using that as a reference. Yes, we have a whole chapter on teens and we have a chapter on really caring for yourself and staying healthy so that you can stick with it. I mean, this is a long marathon. This is a long, long road and we have to take care of ourselves in order to be the parents our kids need us to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I, I think if we had asked Dr. Purvis way back when, even when the connected child came out, she knew that she would have been able to, to tell us, but it wasn't, at least to me, it wasn't really obvious. And I needed obvious when we were in the hardest part of our parenting journey, mm-hmm. that it, it wasn't like a magic formula. If we you know, had total voice control and we gave choices and compromises and realized the need behind the behavior that it was all going to just magically solve itself. But that this was a very hard, even though it felt a little permissive to me, a very hard way to parent. It takes a lot of energy. Uh, And I think that was, for me, part of the missing bridge uh, over the years as we've learned and grown and developed into hopefully more therapeutic parents than we were a decade ago was this reminder to ourselves to be kind to ourselves, that this was hard, hard work, that we had to be in it for the marathon, not the sprint. And and the marathon was years, you know, years. decades. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, we've both had our kids home for a long time. I mean, my kids came home in 2007. That was a long time ago. But You know, kids who've had a lot of trauma require a different level of parenting. They just do. Their needs are different. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a marathon. And I think that's an important chapter. And of course, the whole book, in addition to honoring Calcadon, really is honoring Dr. Purvis. This is her, her legacy, her gift to all of us. I mean, yes, I wrote a lot of the book, but this book is a gift to me too. And I'm I just hope people love it. It's going to be, and and I should add too for our audience that the book is intentionally not a faith-based book because we want this book to be available to everyone. We want it to be used for foster parent training and for teachers. And even though it is about parents, of course, all of these things can be applied to other professionals, educators, healthcare providers, all those people. And so we want the book to have a very broad appeal and we would not want it to be not able to be used for any kind of governmental foster parent training. So, you know, we're hoping to reach a very broad audience. Yeah. So it's called The Connected Parents. It's obviously for all caregivers and parents of Mm -hmm. foster and adoptive children Mm -hmm. and kinship placements, all that, but also a fantastic resource for professionals, for agencies to use yes. for the purpose of training, um, maybe to give to extended family, you know, people who yeah, are helping you, who, who's in your tribe, who's helping you care for your kids. Um, you know, the story format is going to make it super, super readable. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, because a lot of us are on the move a lot, there will be this audiobook that you're hopefully recording as we, as people are listening to this. And so that will be a fantastic resource to, to listen to you tell us the wisdom of, of all the work, hard work that you and Dr. Purvis put into this book. So. Yes. Also Harvest House is going to be um, developing a Harvest House is a publisher. They are developing a study guide that will go alongside the book, I don't know yet how we're going to distribute that. I I shouldn't say, but I believe it's going to be just available for people who purchase the book. So if if groups are using the book or um, anybody, you know, there'll be an opportunity to have a study guide to go alongside it. Sounds like the Adoption Connection needs a book club. I think we do. Oh, we should totally read this as a group. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, and speaking of groups, yes. you are also gathering a very special group of people. So tell us a little bit about that. So by the time this airs, we will be 
gathering what we call a launch team or a review team, and you are invited to be part of it. It will be a team of people who are interested in helping get the word out about the book. And we'll have our own private Facebook group where I will be doing videos and my publisher, uh, one of the women from the publisher will be engaging in that group too and helping us know how to share the book. And also, um, probably most importantly, we'll be asking everybody in the group to write a review because, and it can be super simple, but reviews make all the difference in propelling a book forward right when it comes out. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to last for maybe just a couple of weeks, maybe three. I don't know. It'll be sort of a short blast, a short commitment, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. People on the review team get an early, like, will we get to read the book before the rest of the world? Yes, you will, as a matter of fact. So I believe, now we're talking a little bit ahead of things, but I believe that everybody on the review team will get an early um, e-copy or an e-book to read in order to prepare to review it. And so that's a nice little perk as well, yes. Yeah, and remind us again, what's the release date? This is like a your like due date, like you're yes. birthing a new child. Like what's... What's the date for the book? So the book will be released July 7th. And here, I want everybody to be sure to hear the whole title too. It's The Connected Parent, Real Life Strategies for Building Trust and Attachment. It can be in your hands. And I believe if you pre-order, pre-orders are very, very important to help a book also gain momentum. If you pre-order, it will be delivered to you, I believe, by July 7th. On that date. Yeah, on the release date. You should receive it. So that's pretty exciting. That's definitely true in normal life. I don't know if it's true Mm -hmm. in pandemic life. So we'll find out. Well, nothing's been quite the way we expected. I mean, we thought we were going to have a big launch party and I had numerous speaking engagements where I was going to be talking about the book. And of course, all of that is canceled. So this is a little bit of a sad time to be releasing a book, but it's also a time when I, I think we all need it more. You know, we need the support and we need the tools. And so God has it figured out. I'm trying not to worry about it or be too disappointed. And we're hoping there can still be some celebration when more travel and gathering is permitted. Yeah. I'm all about a delayed launch party. I'll be there. Yes. We should definitely do that. Yeah. And so all the information about how to join the review team, how to pre-order the book, because you can pre-order it today, even though it's not out yet. Um, all the things are on the show notes page for this episode. And you can find those at the adoption connection.com slash 88. And you can also find more information about the book at, on my website at one thankful slash book. Thank you so much for listening to me share this story of the, the birth of this book, the connected parent. I am so glad to have you along on this journey. Thanks a lot. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.